0: Obedience becomes a simple thing because we've resolved in our heart to do that. It doesn't become a a matter of, well, oh man, I just don't know if I can do this. I don't think I have the skills. I can't do that. I'm not sure this is going to work out. Did God say that I should do it? Then simply I should do it. It's just a matter of obedience. It's not a matter of of who I am or what I have. Another beautiful example is that of of Esther. Um, And again, what... Her life was simply characterized by this verse, I believe, that just, I will go. So therefore, I'll go to the king. I will go. Mordecai, if you say, I will go. If I should do, God, if, if this is what is needed, I will go. Hear my, send me, Isaiah said. Does that characterize our lives? Or are we going, coming back to that, those fears that, that come in our lives? And, and again, she had those similar fears. She was a Jew, she was living in captivity. She was being entered into a beauty pageant. But this was not a beauty pageant that you go to, you strut on the stage, and you walk off, and you go back to your life. This was a beauty pageant that you went to become a harem for the king. And you weren't going back to wherever you came from. You were there for life. If you were fortunate enough to win the beauty pageant, you became the queen. But either way, you're still part of the harem. And you're not going back to Mordecai. You're not going back to your home. You're there. So this, is, this was a submission that she submitted to Mordecai, ultimately to God in that, because God brought her to that for a reason. And then in the face of certain death for the Jews, she has to walk in to face the king. And this picture, is a, although you can't really see it with the lights on that well, um, is a beautiful illustration of this glorious throne room with this incredible, powerful, powerful, lion with wings uh, making up this throne and, and she has to enter not just, this isn't her just coming before her husband, hey I got a question for you this is her entering the court of the king with all of his prestiged cabinet there and all of these people that were very important and here she is stepping in place and, and put yourselves in her, her shoes, she's stepping in here knowing that if the king isn't pleased with her there's some real difficulties that are going to be facing her, at least potentially, because the reason she became queen is because of a similar type of situation except where the person didn't submit to the king. And so here she's facing uncertainty and fear that was was bigger than any of us probably can imagine. Um, And she even prefaces it to Mordecai saying, he hasn't even asked for me in 30 days. I haven't even talked or seen him in a month. And you want me to now... Enter his presence. That, that's not how it works, Mordecai. I can die if he, I don't find favor with him. But I will go. I will go. And then ultimately, not just does she have to step into his presence, but she has to now say, "Oh, by the way, I'm a Jew. The people that are your servants, you married a Jew." I kind of, oops, I forgot to say that. It wasn't on my application. She had a lot of reason to fear. So what gave her the courage to face those fears? Like Mordecai said, and she came to that realization that God had placed her in this position. And with that, she also asked for the prayer support of the Jewish community that was there. She cared more for others, for her people, than herself. And she simply accepted her God-given role. God put me here, and therefore I will obey. And I think with us sometimes, you know, we, we, we like to think that we're a very submissive spirit and we have a very submissive attitude towards God. But we sometimes don't want to take that bold move in our lives. It's rather, well, I, let, let me just stay submissive, God. I'll just stay right here being submissive. But I'm asking you to step out in boldness here. Yeah, but can I just be submissive and quiet here? I, I'm really enjoying it. No, I need you to step out. I need you to be bold. I need you to stand up okay, I will go, and I take that step because it's simply obedience. And that takes us from that place of comfort into the presence and the power of the comforter. Sometimes we draw more comfort from our own circles than we do from the comforter. And we'd rather just stay where we are because we're comfortable instead of saying, I'm going to leave my comfort and step into the comfort of the comforter because that's a whole lot better. And it, but it's a matter of letting go, letting go of what we want, and taking on what, what Christ wants. And if we look at Saul or, or Apostle Paul, again, just to, initially his life was definitely more on the on the self-will side, and he had to learn submission in his life. And and when he did, though, what changed? And like was mentioned, Brother Chetta mentioned earlier, his life changed as a result of that. He was willing then, by the grace of God, to labor more abundantly than them, than them all and to spend and be spent for the sake of the gospel. But when he started out, he had some misguided attributes. The attributes that didn't change, but the misguided part did. What do we mean by that? He was a zealous defender of the Jewish religion. When God met him and changed his life, he became a zealous defender of the faith. He was still who he was. By the grace of God, he was who he was. God created him that way. God just took his attributes and said, I need to redirect you into a different way, and this is the way I need you to go, with that same zeal that you have, but now for the truth. And he was passionate about the law. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he called himself. And he took that passion and he redirected it to the full word rather than just the law, and looked at what God truly said versus what man interpreted. He was sold out to his cause, and when Christ met him on the road, he became sold out to Christ, and that was the most important thing, is Jesus Christ and him crucified. He boldly pursued the Christians as far as he could, even to Damascus, which wasn't even a Jewish area, and he pursued them to that length but when christ got a hold of him he now took that same bold pursuit and changed it toward the lost both the lost jews and the lost gentiles but what did he have to give up what did he have to learn to submit in that process he had to give up his own self-righteousness because he thought he was the be-all end-all and he was he was it he had to give up his identity What was his stock? What was his culture? What was his upbringing? He had to give up being a Pharisee. The position of of authority and and of epitome in in his society. He had to give up his works that he relied upon and and based his, his salvation on. He had to give up some false beliefs about God. And he had to submit, as he writes often in his letters, he had to submit his flesh and his will to the Spirit. Because he realized the two are contrary to the one another. And you cannot do what God wants in the flesh. And so may we take some lessons from him to to pursue, just as as Kevin talked about last night, to pursue God. As much as God is pursuing us, we need to pursue God with everything we have, wholeheartedly um, putting it forward. And and, you know that, that verse in Philippians where it talks about pressing toward the goal for the prize of the high calling of God Notice none of those things are Paul's. It's not Paul's goals. It's not Paul's prize. It's not Paul's high calling. That's all God's that he's calling Paul to simply press towards, to go, to pursue, to obey, to submit. And obviously the epitome of submission we find in that of our Lord Jesus Christ. And twice in Scripture we find this term that Jesus had to learn obedience. The Son of God had to learn obedience to His Father. And as Hebrews says of the Lord Jesus Christ, lo, in the volume of the book it is written, I have come to do your will, O Lord. And that should be the cry and the prayer of our heart. I've come to do your will, Lord. Hear my. I, send me. How was Jesus Christ able to stay focused on God's will? He spent hours communicating with his Father. There were so many things that that kept Christ focused on what his job was to do on earth. He didn't get distracted by anything else that was around him. He didn't get pulled off course because his disciples thought this was the way he should be going and not that way. Um, he, He avoided every earthly indulgence and possession and comfort to simply be with the Father and doing His will. Man, that's a far cry from where I am in submitting to God. In what ways does He embody submission to God? Listen to some of the words uh, that He spoke. The words that I speak are are not mine. They're the Father's. It's not me. I'm not speaking here. This is simply, I'm repeating what God told me. He took on Him the form of a servant, Paul says, and humbled Himself. Talk about submission. The King of all lowering himself to the servant and humbling himself. Think about this statement that Jesus Christ says in his high priestly prayer. I have finished the work that you gave me to do. Wow, I have finished the work. Not I've done most of it. I finished the work, and therefore I'm ready to go. And I did it in three years. We're given a lifetime, and can we ever get to the point where we say, I've finished the work. Apostle Paul said he finished the course that was set before him and is ready to go home. But when we look at their lives of submission and ours, man, I got a long way to go, a real long way to go. Take this cup. If, if I have to drink this cup, nevertheless, your will be done. Writer Hebrews also said that he suffered silently and committed himself to God. And twice we read that, that he had to learn obedience. This is who we are to emulate. This is who we are to to be following in our submission, that we can come to do your will, God, in every way. So how can we be committed to submit, to obey the will of God and the word of God? It's about faith. Faith becomes that building block or foundation um, as the resolution that that we would obey God. And it's what's going to propel our growth. So that we can, just like Esther, say, I'll go, God. Send me. Faith takes us not just down the right path, but it steers around those roadblocks and invariably Satan, the world, even our own flesh is going to throw in our way and it's going to power us through those, those difficult times. Like Paul, faith enables us to see God for who he is. It helps us see God's big picture and his plan for the salvation of this world. Not just for my little world, in my little lifetime of 70, 80 years on this world, earth. And faith will always call us into God's mission. You know, I love that video that they showed yesterday at Missionary Day where the mission field, we are all being called into the mission field. We may not realize it. We may not want to acknowledge it. We may not want to go it. But we're all called to the mission field in some way or another. But we are all called. Make no mistake of that. But some of us are just not ready to submit just yet. We're still exerting our self-will. If we, we've got our plans and our, our projects and our dreams and our hopes and our aspirations. and We're not ready yet to submit, God. But we're called. And may we all come to that point where we have, can say like Christ that I've come to do your will and that we submit our will to the Father and our priorities and our purposes and align everything with that, because faith is, is what is going to give us the alignment to God, um, in those ways. And to kind of summarize it and, and close up, um, I got another short little video clip of, of, a, of a man, who's who struggled with control. He wanted to be in control, but found his life out of control in so many different avenues and ways. And so he felt that the only way to gain control of that is to be is to put himself into a situation where control was forced on him. And so he entered the army. However, after serving as a Navy SEAL through several um, tours, he felt God calling his life to leave that and to pursue God. Um, And so he began to do that, but he found himself in a really scary place because he couldn't control those things that were happening to him anymore because God was. And he really struggled with that letting go and saying, okay, God, if that's what you want, then, then, then so be it. Um, and so I, I thought it just was a good summary of what we talked about. When I was a kid,
1: uh, my mom would take my brother and I to the movies. It was somewhat of a pastime for us to detach from our life and enter into this new world through film for two hours. <laughs> right in the center? <laughs> this movie by the name of Bad Boys came out, which was directed by Michael Bay. That was the first movie I remember seeing where there were two heroes who looked like me, and they weren't playing thugs or gangsters or drug dealers, but instead they were playing heroes who were essentially running, gunning, and saving the day. A year later, Michael Bay's second film, The Rock, came out, and that was the first time I was exposed to Navy SEALs. And I was just blown away by this portrayal of men who were coming out of the water and, and going into this uh, place to go sacrifice themselves to save others. That really resonated with me, and I thought if I was to ever turn my life around, that's what I would do.
0: That's, just a-
1: that's all yours now. Yeah. I don't know. Go see what happens. Ever since I was young, I always wanted to control things. When I would want something, I would literally, if I had to, if I had to, I would run through walls to get it. I've always felt like I needed to be the one to make things happen in my life. And it's hard for me to trust people or to trust something outside of me. I didn't know how I was gonna pay the bills. (laughs) I was expecting to have all these opportunities for speaking engagements because I got into speaking And that didn't happen. (laughs) The phones didn't ring. I began to get really nervous because I knew that I had only about six months of savings. I have a wife and she's pregnant with our first son. We're just barely scraping through like we're living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, I had financial problems and then to compound the financial problems we had significant marriage problems and the marriage problems were so bad we both contemplated getting a divorce. It just didn't work out the way I expected it and when it didn't work out I got so frustrated there there was a point where I got mad at God, I hear you wrong, was I supposed to get out of the military, was I supposed to make that decision? It was (laughs) silence, it was silence. Around that time, um, I received a phone call from um, a lady who I worked with a few years prior. She, uh, she cast me in a TV show by the name of The Last Ship, you know, back in two thousand and thirteen for, for a day of, of filming. And uh, she said, "Well, I've been trying to, you know, find you for this movie that starts filming tomorrow." And I was like, "Okay, what, what movie is that?" She said, "Well, it's Transformers." I started out as a day player. Two weeks later, I was called back for three more weeks of filming. I started to get lines from the director, which was unusual for me, because I was like, wow, I'm just just a you know, background extra. They said to me, hey, the director wants to upgrade you to a principal role. Are you available to film for the rest of production? And I said, absolutely. The director happened to be Michael Bay. <laughs> The same one who inspired me to be a SEAL. You know, when you look at my story going from the Bronx to the military into special operations, out of that, in a marriage, having being a husband, being a father, and then now having a career in acting and in the film industry. There's one word I could sum it up with is God. And so he's been with me throughout my entire life. He's seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he's used it all to bring me to where I'm at today. I don't want to force things anymore. I just want to allow God to do whatever it is that he wants to do in my life. If he wants to take me out of this acting career next week, then so be it. If he wants me to get back into the military, so be it. If he wants me to go into ministry full-time, so be it. If he wants me to take up a job, I don't know, as a pilot or whatever, (laughs) so be it. Uh, Because I know that his plan is better than any plan that I could ever have. And even though his plan may not make sense to me, within his plans is everything that I need and everything that is not just good for me, but good for my family as well.
0: Amen. See, because this battle between self-will and submission is simply this. It's a battle between fear and faith. And what's ultimately, the, the form was called, Who's in Control? I take a spin-off of that saying, What's controlling us? What's controlling you? Is fear controlling your decisions? Is fear controlling whether you take a step of faith or not? Is fear controlling... Where your life has been going? Because we're not called to fear. Apostle Paul says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of power. He's given us the spirit of love. He's given us the spirit of a sound mind. And may we never be ashamed of the testimony of God and where he's calling us to go. Even if it's in a way that is outside of the norms of what we've done in our lives or what we've seen done in others' lives. If God is calling us, may we have the heart of, I will go. I have come to do your will, O God. Hear my, send me. And so that, we've got a few minutes maybe just for questions, if there's any questions. If not, like I mentioned, the survey is there. Please fill it out if you can. um, And then drop it off in this uh, white container to send back to the committee.